Happy Holidays! It's Upworthy Weekly's Top Stories of 2021 Countdown, Part 1. Here are your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello everybody, it's Upworthy Weekly, and I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is the great Allison Rosen, and you know her from the podcast, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons, and you also heard her on the Adam Carolla show, which she co-hosted for four years, and was the best reason to listen while she was on. And of course, Thank you've you. seen her on Comedy Central's At Midnight. Hello, Todd. You know, I have other television credits as well. Oh, would you like to share them with us? Oh, I've been on Chelsea lately. I was an extra in that movie Postcards from the Edge when I was 13. I mean, I've had a rich and glorious film career and screen career. I once auditioned to be on a Saban TV show. On a what? Saban. You know, they made like uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like, oh, yeah. That like the like Japanese kids TV uh, network. Or they cool. made shows back. I was, mm-hmm. it was the show was called the Big Bad Beetleborgs, and I auditioned to be the mummy. It was like kids that live in like a Dracula house that like mm-hmm. fight aliens, and there was what a did mummy. What you have to do? It, there was for a the mummy. On huh? What did you have to do for the audition? Uh, I had to walk like a mummy, and so <laughs> I uh, I stayed up all night like partying just because I was. 20 or whatever. And uh-huh. then I had to drive out to like Valencia. And then um, for the audition, they asked me to walk like a mummy. And I thought, you know, they're going to ask people ask a mummy and they're all going to do the same basic thing where they put the mm-hmm. hands out. You know, right. And that whole, the mummy walk. And I thought to myself, Todd Perry just doesn't do the standard mummy. No, I was like, we've heard we've heard the stories of you exercising at Richard Simmons Slimmons Exercise Club. So we know that you don't they zig Todd Perry zags. That's right. So I decided to come in with like, you know, what would Robert De Niro do as (laughs) as a mummy? (laughs) Talking to me. So instead, what I did was I the night before I watched uh, The Elephant Man by David Lynch, because I noticed The Elephant Man had a peculiar walk to him. And mm-hmm. I felt like if I was undead, I'd probably walk like the elephant man. So I stuck one arm out like the elephant man had a big arm and then a small arm. And I had a big arm. And then I, I kind of dragged my foot behind myself. and yeah. um, like a fiddler crab who's undead. It also has neurofibromatosis. And I just kind of walked like that. And I did it just a mild amount of mummying like, like that, but not too much. I didn't <laughs> want to overdo it because I was trying to... I don't know. I was trying to play it down a little bit. I didn't want to be such yeah. a big mummy, you know? <laughs> right. Because when I think of children's TV, I think of tasteful small portraits. And that's what I was trying to get get at. Because like, also, like, they just said mummy. And I was thinking to myself, yeah. what's the background of this mummy? <laughs> what kind Backstory, of life? I love did, it. You know, was he a, a pharaoh? Was he the mm-hmm. son of a pharaoh? Was he just a mere guy that sat and tossed stones into a lake because he had nothing better to do? Was he a one-time king of good news? Who knows? But anyway, I didn't get the part. So that's uh, Todd Perry's uh, TV credits right there. I'm so sorry. Do you feel like they appreciated what you were trying to do, what you had brought to the process? No, no. There was absolutely no care for my artistic uh, process right there. No. That stings. I know. But that's just the way the world is, you know? 
Yeah, you're ahead of your time. Thank you. So, Allison, on today's show, this is a very special show. So over the next two shows, which will be coming out on Christmas Day, great day to release a podcast, and on yes. New Year's Day, the second best Another day- Another great one. <laughs> the year to release a podcast, uh, <laughs> are Saturday. So uh, we're basically counting down the top 10 most popular stories that came out on Upworthy this year. So we're going to do half of them today on our Christmas show. And then we're going to do the other half uh, on our New Year's Day show. We're going to get all the way to number one. Oh, number one with a bullet on New Year's Day. Todd, how were these stories? What criteria was used to come up with this list? Uh, it was the most basically read, like the most clicked on. I basically I just went through. We have all of this, the stories we've done and mm -hmm. has a numerical value. And these are the ones that uh, the greatest amount of people liked, shared, commented on and had the greatest amount of engagement. So the nice thing is they kind of mirror the things that happen throughout the year. Right. You know, so you'll see some stuff from maybe the Olympics or something that happened when Joe Biden first became president or something like that. So this also serves as a, a mild year in review if your news kind of uh, tracks that of what Upworthy covers. I was just going to say it's a year in review and what a perfect time to review the year. We have our finger on the pulse. I hope they know that about us. That's right. Should we start? Let's do it. I'm I'm itching to find out what came in at number 10. Oh, wait. I know what came in at number 10. Former gymnasts explain the dreaded twisties that prompted Simone Biles to withdraw. This is by Annie Renault, and it ran on July 28th. So do you remember back in July when famed, incredible gymnast Simone Biles withdrew from the Tokyo Olympics? Yeah, it was a huge news story, and I think the reason huge. we covered this and the reason why Annie jumped on it and was so passionate about writing it, and again, that passion is in the piece, and so a lot of people uh, related to it. It was a really well-written piece about the different dynamics of what the twisties are, but the basic thing was that a lot of people out there were suddenly becoming armchair, you know, Bella Caroli. Like they knew they were more. piling on her, being like, "Where's her stamina? Where's her guts? Why is she just withdrawing? You know, she lost her nerve, etc." And being very judgmental. Uh, and she made this comment when she withdrew. She said, "I had no idea where I was in the air." And former gymnasts and former divers. Side note: I don't know even a one former professional gymnast or perf or. Uh, former diver. I, I run in a different elite crew. Oh, yeah. But anyway, they heard something in those words that a layperson might not hear. And what they heard was a reference to this thing that's very well known in those fields, which is it's called the twisties. And it's where you so when you do these really elaborate either dives or routines that involve flipping around in the air, your body doesn't really have a sense of where it is at the beginning. You have to learn how to know. It's, it's a matter of timing. So like, let's use a dive, for example. Um, at the beginning, when you're learning a complex diving routine that involves flipping around in the air, a coach will yell out at a certain point. And then this, uh, this former diver who weighed in said, and at that point, you just straighten your legs and pray. 
which sounds terrifying. <laughs> but so you have someone on the outside yelling out or like get, telling you cues so you know what to do with your body. And then when you do it enough, you, it becomes rote. Your body kind of internalizes. In the same way, have you ever seen a really skilled bartender just pour and they're just counting? Yeah. The time elapses. It's like that. Some would say even more advanced than that. Uh, so, so anyway, um, if when the pressure is on, when your adrenaline's going, etc., this thing called the twisties can happen, which is where you lose your muscle memory and suddenly you are forgetting how to do this thing. And unlike the bartender's analogy, which is, is truly a terrible analogy, but in that scenario, you know, all that's going to happen is you're going to get too much alcohol or not enough alcohol. When it's a gymnast or a diver who's doing it, it if they even for a second forget what they're doing and suddenly lose their sense of their body and air, it can have catastrophic results. So on social media, these former gymnasts and divers weighed in to, to explain to everyone what the twisties are. And one former gymnast who had become paralyzed from having the twisties weighed in as well. So it was really fascinating to see all these people, you know, weigh in. Um, and also Simone Biles was, uh, was celebrated by many people for supposedly not giving into this pervading idea in gymnastics, in sports, that you're supposed to sacrifice for the sport. Like she put herself and her health and her safety ahead of the sport, and we should applaud that. Yeah, uh, and also there were a lot of people, I think, that were upset that she put her well-being in front of that of the country. There's a lot of people who saw it as not being patriotic that they didn't make the ultimate sacrifice of landing on their head for a gold medal. (laughs) Right. You know, and I think that this. It just became, but it became, sorry to to cut you off. Um, It's just that I don't respect you. It just (laughs) became impossible for her to do it safely. It wasn't that she didn't want to. It's that she was experiencing this mental, physical block that made it so it would have been unsafe for her to do it. I feel like hey, that's not that hard to understand. I see it's like, you know, sometimes you're you're talking to a friend and you're like, you should see this video on YouTube. And you take out your phone and then you, you flip it one way and then the video goes the other way. And then you, yes. you gave him the video and it flipped and you're, you keep trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. And then imagine doing that, but it's your head in danger of <laughs> landing on the concrete. <laughs> right. That's a that's a It's almost... Out. Right, that's almost as bad as when the video does that. Like, I get screwed up. There's a thing people do to each other when they're playing golf is you try to interrupt their backswing, right? So you take the club back, and then you hit it forward. Now, the thing is in golf is you don't want to think too much. If you're really in your head and you're like, I will release my wrists at this point, I will turn my Mm -hmm. hips, then you're screwed. It has to be all muscle memory and kind of focusing on being set up correctly. And so this one guy really screwed me up, and he was like, Whatever you do at the top of your backswing, never think about your mother naked. And so <laughs> then, like, I'll go, I'll take the club back, and I'll be like, my mom naked. Ah! And then that throws off oh. my hips, which aren't really in alignment with my body anyway. And so then I'm hitting it bad. So I just figure, like, that's the golf version of the twisties. Yes. And- this isn't your new friend Chris, is it? Because if so, I say eject him from your friend group. <laughs> no, Chris would never do that. He would never step across <laughs> that line. Now, Saul, <laughs> you know, Saul, the punk rock oh, accountant. The punk that, rock CPA. It's a movie pull, you know. 
Classic Saul. So, I don't like that one bit. So my other show, Alice in Roses, your new best friend. I do a, a show that comes out Monday and a show that comes out Thursday. And when I introduce the show on Monday and Thursday, it's slightly different. I've been doing these this show for years and years and years now. So it's just rote for me to open up the show in this certain way. However, something that's happened to me during the pandemic is that I'll start it and then all of a sudden, and I think it's because I'm doing it on Zoom and the world is unrecognizable, all of a sudden yeah. I'll just think, oh, uh oh, that's not how I normally. Wait, what do I say next? And I can't remember. And it's crazy because I really should be able to remember this. I've only been doing it for 10, 12 years or something. But that is uh, the podcaster's version of the twisties. Is it because you hate America? It's because I hate America. Last point on this a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the Dunning Kruger effect. And that's yes. where dumb people think they more, know more about something than they actually do. They, they over... You, you explained it perfectly in like one sentence. And I think it's that uh, dumb people are too dumb to realize they're dumb. That you realize they don't know what they're talking about. And yeah. this exactly is it. Like At the highest level of gymnastics, there is a headspace. And some nudnik on Twitter is sitting there trying to figure, you know, act like they know exactly what's going on in Simone Biles' head, which is completely ridiculous. And so I think this article was wonderful because it completely showed that anybody, unless they're in this world, has zero idea what they're talking about when it comes to, mm -hmm. you know, gymnastics at an Olympic level. Right. And now we all know what the twisties is, which sounds like a delicious pastry, but is actually devastating and catastrophic. <laughs> Quick thinking mom finds her lost toddler in the Kmart thanks to a TikTok hack. And this was written by me back in February. A woman in New Zealand recently lost her son in a Kmart, but was able to locate him because of a potentially life-saving parenting hack she saw on TikTok a few months ago. The woman was shopping when she realized her two-year-old son Nathan was missing. She immediately found a friend to alert the staff to ensure he didn't leave to the store's front exit. And the mother began looking for him by rummaging through the clothes racks and running through the aisles. It was the scariest 10 minutes of my life, she later wrote. But then she remembered a parenting hack she saw on TikTok by blogger Jess Martini. If your child goes missing, screw the stairs and start calling out their description, the mother recalled. I'm missing a little boy. He's wearing a yellow shirt and has brown hair. He's two years old and his name is Nathan. She called out to the rest of the store while reminding herself not to break down in tears. And then, lo and behold, right after that, a guy found the kid in the aisle. That's great. So, I mean, that's a great thing before the kid goes off and runs into traffic or if it was, you know, God, who knows, like some kind of abduction thing. That you just basically call out, yeah. here's what the kid looks like, here's what the kid's wearing, and then everybody will immediately go looking for them. There's not one person so evil that in the store they wouldn't help out to find a missing two-year-old. Mm -hmm. It's really smart because I think if, if my child were to go missing, I would just be running around the store yelling their name, but I wouldn't think to shout out a description. However, I do recall, and again, this is on the same level in terms of gravity. I was in a store. I was looking for notebooks or pens or something. I couldn't find them anywhere. I had like just gotten into Twitter and I was thinking, 
I wish I could just yell in the store, where are the pens? <laughs> Instead of having to like go up and down the aisle and then find someone who works there. I wish I could just yell it out and have the answer yelled back to me. So that's, it's exactly the same as losing a child. Well, I think you're thinking exactly how 80-year-old men think. Well, thank you. Like, I'll just wait a minute. That's not a compliment. (laughs) I'll I'll just scream out whatever I'm thinking and feeling right now, and maybe the world will, you know, come around. I want my soup. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But you have to think like an 80 year old man who wants soup when you lose your child, is what I've learned from this story. And so. I think also there's a thing where when you yell the color out loud, people will quickly notice it. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm looking for something that's missing, I think, what color is it? And if you go, if you go find something red, immediately everything that's red, it's like the matrix. Like your subconscious yes. works and will like pull it out. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a great thing in locating a kid. Because before when I've lost my kid in the store, uh, it's been like that scene in The Breakfast Club where they go running between the aisles and they run and they like skid. And then they go back <laughs> and they run and they skid. And I'm running through, you know, the produce section at Stater Brothers going, Declan, Declan, Dex, Dex. Like, you know, mm-hmm. until I locate him, usually in the toy aisle or, you know. How often do you lose your child? <laughs> of recent, not very often. That's because I have one of those leashes that you put on the kid with the bunch Do you really? Of- no, I don't. But <laughs> I haven't seen those in a while. But it used no, to No, me be- neither. They yes, they used to be more common, but nowadays they have. Um, so in our day, it really was like a child leash. Uh, nowadays, I think they ha- they they're, they're attached to backpacks. So the kid will wear a backpack, and then you are connected on the other side with something. It becomes like that Mike Myers bit on SNL where he was, where his parents like made him stick to the jungle gym, where he had a cable and he was stuck to the jungle gym and kept trying to run this. away. That's funny. I lost Owen at my friend's house. We were, and again, I'm blaming this on the pandemic. It had been a really long time since we'd been social with anyone. And we were in their house and all of a sudden I went, oh my God, where's Owen? This was the day after Thanksgiving. I went, oh my God, where's Owen? And my friend goes, he's right there. And he was just 12 feet in front of me, camouflaged by the Christmas tree. It was very weird. He was right there and I didn't see him. Oh, jeez. Well, yeah, you just you weren't used to that part of your brain that's always kind of like keeping track on where the kid is. Like there's like 10 yes. percent of your brain. And I think maybe that doesn't even ever go away. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you're like grandma and you're like, oh, I know what she's probably doing right now. She's probably not doing her laundry or she's probably sitting around <laughs> watching Real Housewives. <laughs> Eight. Belgian Olympic marathoner breaks down in tears of disbelief upon hearing she finished 28th. And this is a story that ran on October 12th, and it's by Annie Renault. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, because 28th is so bad. But it turns out 28 out of 88. And when you hear her backstory, it's really incredible. Yeah. And also, I mean, where do I get off thinking that? I can, I can barely even run. So I would definitely come. I would come in like I wouldn't even place. 
everyone would be going home and I'd just be like, I'm just going to speed walk this last bit. Anyway, it's not about me. So uh, a 38-year-old math and physics teacher from Belgium had always been a runner, uh, but she decided in 2018 to take it more seriously. And she hired a running trainer to improve her technique. And turns out she is crazy good at distance running. Now, how old was she? She She was like 38 or something? She was 38, yeah. yeah. Which is is kind of... uh, on the advanced side to start your sports career. Yeah. So she uh, placed in the Tokyo Olympics and came in 28th out of 88 running this marathon. And when a reporter told her she came in 28th, she was crying and couldn't believe it and kept saying like, no, it can't be. This can't be. And he kept telling her like, yes, it is. And she's like, oh. and there was just something about the video, which I imagine you've seen, which was so sweet and charming. And she's just she's really is. She could be America's sweetheart, except she's from Belgium. Let's uh, play the audio for the people who haven't heard it. Yes. You've been 28. What? 28. <laughs> Ja, wel. 2 uur 34 en 24 seconden. Dat kan niet. Dat kan niet. Toch wel. Proficiat. Dank je. I think it's an awesome video because she has all of the emotions rolled into one. Like it's a little bit of like disbelief. There's the joy of accomplishment that she's stunned. You know, it's just kind of like she's happy, sad. It's just kind of like everything compiled onto one human being at one moment. Right. And and she's funny too because she she comments that she thinks she also lost a toenail and she says it like it like it's no big deal whereas i would be angry for four years or he would have just sat down on the ground i lost a toenail (laughs) i can't go yeah i lost a toenail it was my fourth toe it was small and it it had a the white tip and it was pinkish that's like you know so everyone would look for it right everybody just be scouring on the ground yeah Uh, oh Yes, I. this video inspired me because I think to myself, okay, now I'm 44, and I think as people get older, they tend not to pick up as many new hobbies. or no, They tend not to compete in the Olympics? Yes, they tend not to compete. I've experienced that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I keep not competing in the Olympics the more days I Same. walk on this. But I think to myself, <laughs> you know, there's the old, like the Malcolm Gladwell, you know, you do 10,000 hours of anything, you can get really good at it. And then to, to go back to golf again, I always think to myself, ah, you know, there's a golf course across the street. If I just went in, I hit like a thousand golf balls a week or whatever, maybe I get good enough that I could join the senior tour when I'm 50. And Ooh. I could go from being this really crappy low-end golfer right now, uh, but I still beat uh, Saul the Punk Rock Accountant on a regular basis. <laughs> Even though he's trying to screw with my mind and say right, that, you know, playing mind games, thinking about my naked mother. But 
I think that with anything, if anybody really, even at uh, advanced age, sit, sat down and said, I'm just going to dedicate myself to this thing because what else am I doing in life? And could get really good at it. doesn't matter. Like, I think maybe I could be a better guitar player if I just sat in every day, played for 40 minutes. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, everybody has that ability to really challenge themselves and become great uh, if they want to put the work into it. Yeah. My husband used to jog before I knew him. He used to, that was what he did for exercise. Um, and he, he always talks fondly about that, that time in his twenties that he was in amazing shape and he became vegan for a period of time. And, um, he always talks about it. And then he always says like, maybe he should take up running again, but he feels like it's going to be bad for his knees or it's this or blah, blah, blah. And so he, after spending money on not the Peloton, there's a cheaper bike that you can use with the Peloton, but it's still fairly expensive. After spending money on that, signing up for the Peloton app, da da da, all that stuff, he decided no, he really is going to do running. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so anyway, he's now running like the length of a 5K or longer. Um, you know, he he did like Couch to Running, which is this podcast or program that kind of talks you through it. But he, uh, you know, at 48 decided he's going to do this and he's doing it. So you really can do it. But you can't run from the anvil, can you? Well, that's the thing. He doesn't realize that. He thinks he can, but it's still dangling precariously over his head. Seven! People can't get enough of Keanu Reeves cracking up at a question about NFTs. (laughs) And this was from earlier this month, and this was a huge story. And it was just a little video I shared, and I did a little write-up for people who don't know what NFTs are. Um, And I explain it in the story. Uh, A recent NFT, which stands for Non-Fungible Token Boom, has a lot of people scratching their heads over why someone would pay over a million dollars for a digital art file that can be easily replicated by right-clicking Save As. But NFT enthusiasts are willing to pay ridiculous amounts for the artwork because they have a certificate of digital ownership that cannot be replicated. In a recent interview with The Verge about how the digital world is slowly encroaching upon real life, Matrix Resurrection stars Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss were asked by Alex Heath about the notion of digital scarcity. The question made Reeves lose composure and he let out a large cackle exclaiming, Ha! They're easily reproduced. Let's hear the audio. And so, like, when you think about the concept of digital scarcity and things that are, you know, they can't be copied. That are easily reproduced. (laughs) Well, but they're not the same. So that was uh, Keanu Reeves being super cute. And the great thing was that the guy from The Verge, who's totally like a tech head, it's like, no, but they're not the same. Like, <laughs> he had like a bratty kind of like eight-year-old meltdown yeah. when, you know, it's talking about different types of Pokemons. And the, the thing is with NFTs, I think people don't like it because it's kind of like scarcity for scarcity's sake. Versus like the Mona Lisa, which is a painting, and because of it's one of a kind, it's scarce. But with this, people make artwork, and they put it on the blockchain so that even though you replicate uh, the pictures of apes are a big deal. Even though you replicate the picture of the ape, there's only one owner of the ape. And because Mm -hmm. of that, it's worth tens of thousands because people imbued 
um, uh, they imbued value on it because it's scarce. But it's kind of like the scarcity came first, not like some great piece of artwork that, oh, you know what I'm saying? You get where I'm going with yes, this, Allison. I do. I do. I never, first of all, I love this video. Uh, Keanu Reeves' reaction is amazing because it's the same reaction I think most people have. Uh, and you can tell he can't even, he can't, he can't help himself, but just it kind of like this, this peal of, uh, incredulous laughter just (laughs) exits his mouth. Um, so I never really understood and still don't quite understand NFTs. I also don't quite understand cryptocurrency. However, it was explained to me in a way, I think where it clicked a little bit the other night, um, the idea, tell me if this is how you understand it. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not, this, I'm just taking a stab at it from what my friend told me. So, so cryptocurrency is just digital currency. It doesn't exist at all. It's just virtual digital. And so it's like you have that. And then instead of just having imaginary money, you want to invest it in imaginary things. So in the same way in the real world, you have your money and you buy real art. This is like, to me, the NFTs are sort of an outgrowth of the virtual money, which again, does somehow have value. I mean, virtual is the wrong word. Digital, I guess. A couple weeks ago, we were talking on the show about how sometimes when you like things ironically, eventually then you'll just start liking them in real life. Mm-hmm, you know, yes. we were talking about like being a Gen X person and I was wearing like my Saturday Night Fever shirt as like a joke, like, hey, weren't the 70s cool? And then eventually started really getting into disco music and liking it genuinely. Right. And I think the NFT thing is the same thing amongst tech bros with a lot of money and that they ironically are like, hey, I ironically like this digital picture of an ape. Oh, yeah, I ironically like it more. Oh, yeah, how much do you like it? I like it $100,000 more than you. And then suddenly it goes from being something that people are knowingly falsely imbuing value onto to something that they start fetishizing. Mm -hmm. But it's only within their little circle jerk, right? (laughs) And so everybody else kind of looks outside laughing. Meanwhile, money is exchanging hands and this thing builds and builds and builds. And the people who are on the inside of the thing look at us as um, a bunch of, you know, normies that don't huh yeah Yeah. like we're pedantic normies and then we look at them like they're just kind of uh you know like people in near the fall of the roman empire who are drinking wine and vomiting in vomitoriums you know everyone has decided these things have value they don't though well i mean you can get back to that and say does money have value because it's completely the dollar is a market-based currency right okay um You know this, and sorry, pass the joint back to me. We'll we'll go a little deeper here on this. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, man, it's just based in gold or where it was until Nixon, man, and then he took us off gold. And what was it worth? But what's gold worth, man? Really, it's just a rock, you know. Yes, I see. I see your point. How so? Okay, does so Saul the punk rock accountant recommend cryptocurrency? No, but he's, you know, he would Moderna all day, Moderna stock all day. Oh, really? <laughs> That's going to be I my I do have new, a little bit of that. N- nobody listening to this, we're not giving stock tips. That's what we're going to do. The no. new the new thing on the show is going to be Saul the Punk Rock Accountant's Stock Time. Stock tips? Yeah. <laughs> Six. Ah, 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 ah,
A gynecologist asked people what they would change about their visit, and thousands responded. This is by Heather Wake, and it ran recently on December 11th. So Dr. Ryan Stewart, who's a urogynecologist. Before you get started in this, I have a lot to say. I would like to hear what you, a man who does not go to the gynecologist, (laughs) feels about it. You know, it's it's just cold. You know, (laughs) I think there could be... You know, more sports on TV when I go to the gynecologist. Yes. A urinal, more urinals. Yeah, like the magazine selection is terrible. It's like, could Mm -hmm. I have, you know, could I have a Maxim in there so I have something to read? Can I get some good journalism? Sorry. Anyway, continue, Allison. I'd like to to hear what you have to say about the gynecologist, please. I would like to know what the king of good news thinks needs to change. Anyway, uh, so a urogynecologist at the Midwest Center for Pelvic Health went on Twitter and said that he's going to be redesigning his office and he would like to know what things could be changed, improved upon to optimize one's experience at the gynecologist. No detail is too small. And he got a really big response to this. Uh, So some of the things that people said thicker gowns and I like this one I've I have never had like a thick nice luxurious gown it's always just that that paper gown uh speculums of different sizes and perhaps warmed uh waiting until the patient is dressed to talk to them so increased privacy real quick cold is cold speculum is that uh, a common problem it's, I think it is. Yeah. It's so either here's a little speculum info. Mm. They have metal ones that are cold or they have plastic ones that are weirdly uncomfortable. And I believe the plastic ones are disposable. So that's your speculum. You could probably ask to take it home. The metal ones are used on multiple people and they, you know, sterilize them all. But yeah, they are cold and it's a little bit like it's bracing. But then the idea of warming it up. You gotta really be careful that it's not too warm, especially if it's plastic. You, know? you don't want like a melty speculum. Yeah, no, the plastic one, it, it, the temperature's not a problem. I just always find them to be even more uncomfortable. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like it feels like it's got sharper edges somehow. Um, and yeah, I, I feel the, like the whole speculum thing is not fun. Uh, do you even know what a speculum looks like? It's like a horseshoe. Mm, well, when it's open, it's vaguely horseshoe-ish. But when it's closed, I feel like it looks like a almost like a water gun. I'm sorry. Were you joking? I, I meant shoehorn. Oh, <laughs> not horseshoe. <laughs> well, when it's open, when it's when it's opened up, it it does have like a. If you squint, maybe it's a horseshoe. I see a shoehorn. No, it's not. I would not say it's like a shoehorn. Okay, two shoehorns that are stuck together like a curling iron and they open and close a little bit, but like also like a, looks like a clamp kind of pass back that joint. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you, people can Google, um, more empathy towards sexual trauma. So, you know, talking with the patient ahead of time about their feelings about what the, you know, the exam that's about to happen and having more understanding and then more diverse posters. It, um, it made the news this week that there was a medical poster of a pregnant woman with a fetus and the woman was black and the fetus is black. And someone commented, I've never seen a black fetus in these posters before. And a lot of people, I think this was on Upworthy. Yeah. Um, a lot of people responded like, yeah, the, you know, and, and then, 
you start thinking about it and all the posters around the office, it is very homogenous. It's not diverse. So how about more diversity? So, well, that was a popular... I didn't want to step in there. I didn't want to mansplain the gynecologist, but thank you for for that. Thank and, you for not. <laughs> but I did. I did with that story. I just. I did come up with uh, three things that I think would make great band names from that oh, conversation. Right. Um, yeah, let's hear them. Midwest Center for Pelvic Health. That is. That would be good. That sounds like a good yeah. like '90s kind of. Yes. You know, band name. Um, Melty Speculum. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then uh, finally, Looks Like a Clamp. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like that's a hardcore band. Yeah. Hey, you guys going to go see Looks Like a Clamp? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm seeing no use for a name tonight. <laughs> okay, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Upworthy Weekly. And before we go, because it is Christmas... I have a very small Christmas present for Allison Rosen at the end of the show. <gasps> you do? And I have to be very careful because I don't want to get sued over this present, okay? Uh-oh. It's not a gift, is it? I think we get sued if I say the words. <laughs> Thank you. Thank oh, God, you. I just realized it, what you're playing is so beautiful. Yes. No, that can't be because I hate that song. Wasn't it touching? Oh, my God. Wasn't it touching? You have given me a lot to think about. Appropriate context. It, can I tell you something crazy? I think we have the same guitar. Is that a guild? Uh, that's a Yamaha. Oh, then we don't because I paid way more than you did. But we have a, I have a guitar that looks just like yours. Well, you know, I was looking online and I saw this thing where actually the song Creep by Radiohead and All I Want for Christmas with You is essentially the same exact chords. And oh, wow. so you could sing like in the background. You could have Tom York singing over Mariah Carey and you could have the creepiest Christmas ever. <laughs> well, you know that I abhor that song um, and I want to abhor you for trying to put it in my head, but I did really enjoy your rendition of it. It's giving me a lot to think about because I can't stand that song. Well, see, you just haven't had it performed correctly. There's, yeah, that there's, might there's be Mariah Carey's voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but Todd Perry whistling. <laughs> right. And Todd Perry rhymes with Mariah Carey. Do so, you could do something with that for sure. Please, Mariah, don't sue us. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly this year. We'll be back next Saturday with the final five of the most popular stories from 2021. Um, and that's it. So your gift to us, people listening, is to like, subscribe, and review. Yes, please. We love your reviews. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. 
I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.